0: Hello, everyone, and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode, we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host, Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. Welcome back, everyone. In this week's episode, despite a few hiccups in the recording, I wanted to take some time to speak with another body piercer turned jewelry maker. For this episode, we sit down with the forever smiling Mateo Way. Mateo and I met through mutual friends at my very first conference in Las Vegas over five years ago. Since then, he has been a wealth of information for not only me and my career, but for many other piercers in the industry. Being a former studio owner, Mateo sold his business a few years ago and began investing his time into his other passion, creating stone body jewelry. His stonework is well known throughout the industry for not only its quality, but for his thoroughness for ensuring the piece is perfect. So without further ado, listen in as we discuss the trial and error of crafting stone, the transition of becoming a jewelry maker, and how the unique perspective of being a piercer can possibly make better body jewelry. Okay, Mateo, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business?
1: My name is Mateo. go by the pseudonym Mateo Y or Way. I've been, I guess I still do pierce from time to time, but I've been piercing for around 10 years or so. I've been making jewelry around like six or seven. I'd say within the last three to four years, I've been kind of doing it more as a career than just a hobby. What else? Yeah. I have a dog and five cats and a snake. (laughs) And a really rad girlfriend. So many so cats. So many fucking cats. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. Red.
0: So I know that you're pretty well known in the industry. I mean, you're kind of hard to miss. Why don't you go ahead and tell us how you got started in Stonework or what started leading you down that path?
1: I'd always been really kind of amazed at the stuff that uh, like Jared from One Tribe had been doing, Leo and Kate from Relic. I just couldn't even understand like the pieces that they were producing. And I've always been, like, super, super enamored with minerals. Uh, Yeah, just collecting them as a kid, going to the beach or the river and just gathering, like, shitty river rocks (laughs) Uh, just because I like the color and whatnot. Um, But I, uh, I had moved to Santa Cruz about, like, six years ago and found this little mineral shop that was not too far from my house. And my partner and I at the time would go in there mostly to buy minerals to make displays for our studio. And, uh, one day we're just, you know, I found this really awesome, uh, what's it called? Uh, I think like this dry head agate or something, this little halved geode. And the, uh, the old rock hand guy that owned the place overheard me talking to my friend about how I wanted to send this away to like Leo and Kate and have them turn it into a set of plugs. And the dude was kind of rough around the edges, but he was just like, screw that. Like, why don't you just do that shit yourself? Um, and I was like, well, I would if I knew how to actually approach that. And he actually put me in contact with the, like, I wouldn't call it a manager, um, but the person that was in, in charge of this, like, lapidary workshop uh, that was put on by the Gem and Mineral Society in Santa Cruz. And like put me in contact with him, and I went and checked out their little workshop. And yeah, he was like taught me how to make a cabochon and from there i kind of just you know tried to figure out the way different materials reacted to different grits and whatnot and with a little bit of time started applying what i knew about cabochons you know carving them and whatnot to applying it to like body jewelry it was definitely a very very uh very much a trial and error process
0: i feel like there would be a lot of things that you need to pick up on like by messing things up one of those like acquired type knowledges
1: Totally, totally. Especially without having someone like, you know, if I had like a Jared or, you know, a Kate or a Leo around to like give a little bit of insight, but working alongside all the, the rock counts could be expedited significantly faster if I knew how to use the machines in a similar manner that they did, or had like similar, because uh, a lot of the stuff is, you know, it's a small club. So a lot of the equipment that they have is really dated, really, really worn. Which you know can make or break some pieces, as far as like the way that uh, the way that I normally carve now. Um, so it's definitely learning you know, which machines I could use for which applications, and a lot of the times you know if something gets pulled out of your hand because the wheel's worn down and it- because of you know you fucking drop it, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was great though. I feel like I got to learn a lot more about how certain minerals react with you know different grits and whatnot. And like having people that have been polishing stones for you know three decades is nice because they can lid. Lend you into like little tips and tricks as far as like how to approach things in the future. So I'm really thankful that I had had them around, even though it wasn't like the most ideal situation. But
0: I kind of feel like that's almost like a unofficial, like apprenticeship type learning from nothing, like learning from people above you type scenario.
1: Yeah, like having like if you were came up in a shop where your mentor was just a tattoo artist who pierced on the side. Where it's like a lot of the times you are going to have to leave, you know, leave that little bubble that you have and seek out information. Thankfully, you know, we live in an age where you can just go on YouTube and look up a lot of these things. But it is definitely hard, again, finding like someone that has that, that's using those tools for the same application, you know. So it's, it's definitely kind of trying to think outside of the box and you know use the tools that you have available to you at that time. Um, and not, right. not get frustrated that, you know, you can't make a perfect librette. The second time you try and carve something. Yeah. Tried to help friends with stuff like that. And it's definitely a mindset where they, you know, they kind of come in with this preconceived idea that they're going to make it work. But, you know, definitely uh, the stone isn't very forgiving, you know.
0: You had to cut it one time. Exactly. It's not like you can pull out, reset the needle. Exactly. Exactly. So did you find it difficult transitioning from piercing full time to... Doing mainly stonework. I know that you stepped away a little um, after you sold your business, and then there was a little bit of a low period, and then all of a sudden you came out with everyone wanting your, your pieces that you were making. At least what I've heard in the past is it's stone piercers, four for piercers, buy yeah. a piercer. So they kind of fit a lot more uniquely than other pieces and are a lot more comfortable for, let's say, like, you know, large-size oral. Yeah,
1: piercings. I feel like that's one thing, I mean, having had probably more than I should have ever had, but, like, large-gable piercings, I feel like that's something, because I've had them... Um, and I understand the anatomy as far as like the way the piercing is performed, I can give a little bit more insight than someone that's never had a, you know, a three quarter inch labret you know, or like a half inch filtrum or something like that. So I definitely feel like I've gotten clients who have like tried out other you know companies in the past, you know, buying labrets that they find on you know websites that are already pre produced. I've kind of feel like I've gotten those clients mostly because I can produce a piece that's superior purely based off of, the knowledge that I personally have. Uh, right. And again, a lot of it was trial and error, you know, like being that I could make pieces for myself, I could figure out little ways to, you know, add a slight taper to something so that it, you know, kind of hugs into that lip tissue, pulls away from your gums. Um, also, understanding that, like, anatomy, the anatomy stays the same, but as you're stretching certain piercings, like, the jewelry has to adapt to that. So, you know, you can't go, like, this is exactly what I wear at, you know, At this size if you're trying to transition from like oval around to oval or like to a teardrop shape you know those you know those contours definitely change uh, as pieces increase in size and you have to you know for the most part kind of guesstimate how it's going to work but if you have a you know a point of reference to work off of, then you know kind of have a little bit of an advantage, I guess you could say. Um, but as far as the yeah. transition, it's hard, man. Uh, I don't know. I know in the past we've talked about it. In a state that's like has a really high uh, cost of living, uh, you kind of have to be constantly busting ass. So um, when I sold my shop at that point, I had already had like a super pretty much only only have to be piercing, you know, other than doing managerial stuff. I was only piercing maybe once or twice a week, and then you know the rest of my income was coming from producing stone pieces. And once I sold the shop, then it was definitely one of those things where like I had to work significantly harder and longer hours to make enough to actually you know pay the rent, feed all of the cats right, and dogs. Trade in one
0: hustle for another.
1: Exactly, exactly. So uh, even though it was nice not having the you know like having the business and whatnot, I feel like. It's definitely was like a an eye opener not having that like, like security, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, it is a weird transition going from owning a studio to not owning a totally. studio. It's a situation that I'm in right now, and uh, it, it's totally yeah. different because it's once you've once you've had that taste of being like, if I work super hard, it reflects my business, and then you try to work super hard for other people too, but it just has a different yeah. feeling.
1: Yeah, totally. It's, you know, no one's going to care for your baby as well, you know, so. Right. Um, exactly. Which, you know, it's understandable. I feel like it's, it is kind of nice. There's some trade offs there where like you, you get to leave work at work and you don't have to take that type of thing home with you. And that's yeah, amazing. which is super amazing. But, you know, going back, I didn't really feel like I was starting over again, but. Kind of, you know, like there wasn't really like I have a clientele base, but, you know, trying to reach out to more people and then understanding that, like, I'm a human being and can't really, you know, I can't take on so many orders. Uh, So there's definitely a limit to to what is possible as far as like, you know, I don't know what you really call it, like a income cap, I guess you could say. Like your growth. Like a growth. Exactly, yeah. And you know, opposed to like, you know, maybe outsourcing or like teaching someone or having something like that, but it's not really something that I'd ever really kind of imagined doing. So Right. uh.
0: And that was that was something that when we spoke with Mike Knight about uh other couture jewelry, Mm -hmm. he had that issue too, where he didn't know if he would feel comfortable taking on somebody else to help him out because, you know, his name is attached to everything and it's gotta be up to his quality standards. But he's getting to a point which probably a point that you're at too, where you are just one person and it's starting to come probably too much. Oh yeah, you know?
1: there was definitely not this last year, but the I'd say the six months six, nine months after leaving, why and after, you know, leaving piercing, I guess you could say. I was working, I think, you know, seven days a week for, I think I went almost two and a half months, just like day after yeah. day after day. And yeah, it's a, definitely not good for morale. <laughs> it's really hard on your body. It doesn't seem like it would be so much, but like, you know, constantly being bent over and like focusing on <laughs> small things. Uh, yeah, it just kind of takes a toll on you. And it takes the fun away from something that was once a very enjoyable hobby. That's something I feel like a lot of people transitioning from something that is like, something they're passionate about, but still, you know, a job, uh, and then going into something that they started as a hobby definitely would always be kind of cautious about like losing the love for it, you know, uh, especially, especially when you feel like you have to produce so much to pay the bill, you know, uh, cause then you're not, yeah. you're not making, at that point, you're not really making things to, you know, for the joy that you're, you're taking every order that comes in because you have to, you know? So, um, every once in a while, you get super rad clients that want super rad materials or that leave things kind of open ended for you to like search out other materials, which is great. But, you know, that's not that's not the everyday, you know. That's uh, not the, the norm, I guess you could say.
0: I can understand that. It's one of those things where what you're saying makes complete logical sense. Like, case in point, like, I love piercing and I love board games, but if I had to play board games every day, I'd probably get sick of tired. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it all takes into perspective. I mean, you do this because you love it. You're super passionate about it. But on the same note, once you add that looming cloud that is a deadline or an amount of work and have it over your head... It can kind of take away the enjoyment of a lot of the things that you Oh,
1: do. totally. And it's not something, you know, I would never discourage someone from following that. It's just understand that it's part of oh, the Oh, no.
0: It's a, it's a harsh reality that a lot of people don't realize. And unfortunately, a lot of people in our industry have a problem with self-care, making sure that they're taking care of themselves, because a lot of us run ourselves until we're you know, burned out, burning the candle on both ends. <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's one of those things that is super important. Uh, I know that you just got away recently with your misses and, uh, uh, abroad mm-hmm. kind of like traveling yeah. and stuff. And that probably recharges your batteries and, you know, taking a little bit of break is important in any aspect
1: of any job. that you Totally. Do. Definitely. And then just the understanding that it's okay to, to take those breaks. I think that's the hard thing is I've had one to two jobs since I was 17. So understanding that, you know, I don't have to be constantly doing something. I can relax. uh, that's definitely a hard thing for me personally to kind of like wrap my head around. Uh, I don't really have a good shut off mode, which I mean, luckily she's kind of the same way and understands that like, okay, we're on vacation, but I'm, I probably still got to do some emails because I have to make sure that when I come home, there's work to do, you know uh, which again, you own a business. Right. You understand that like, even if you're not at work, you're still kind of on the clock, always orders yep. to do. There's always, you know, special orders or you know clients that have issues.
0: You're always yeah. dialed in. You know, that's the way that I, I put it. Like, you may put it on the back burner, but you're there. And, you know, that's not just our industry either. Like, my wife, for example, she does all the funding for the college that she works at, or a large portion of it. And she has to answer emails all the time. Like, we may go out to dinner, and she's like, hey, I got to do this. And, you know, it's it's really hard to disconnect. But on that note, you know, there's, there's definitely some quality time in putting the phone oh. down and enjoying an evening, and not feeling guilty about it. Because, you know, you do work hard, you do deserve that yeah. kind of stuff. Going off of that, and changing gears from taking care of ourselves, what are a few of your favorite materials to work with? Like, what have your favorite piece, like pieces
1: been? Um, most recently, uh, I'm not sure what what's going on, but there's been an amazing amount of like super high-quality, well-priced, related cords recently um, that I've been able to get my hands on that I've been super stoked to work with. There was a few years where it was just like impossible to find stuff that was really applicable to our industry that was of like a higher quality, you know, gem quality and also affordable, yeah. Affordable pricing. But yeah, I'm not sure, Some sometime before like the really large Tucson gem mineral show this last year, like a bunch of it kind of flooded the market of things that I see like online. Uh, sadly i don't really have a very like quality reputable uh, mineral shop in the bay area where i'm at so you know, like not like i did in santa cruz there's like two really rad shops down there but i'd say really quartz has been something i've been really stoked on um as well as i just really love agate of all all types um i feel like in the very beginning it was the material that i would went to because it was for the lack of a better word a little bit more forgiving i could you know i could use more aggressive wheels on it i could you know as long as i was really certain that as I was polishing, I was taking off all those really fine, fine scratches. I can make pieces that had like really thin wings or, you know, really large flares without worrying about them just like investing four or five hours into a piece and then just having them just like <laughs> Uh So yeah. yeah, like Brazilian agates. And that's got to be hard. Oh, it, it happens all the time. I try and tell people that I, that I try not to get too attached to a piece until like it, I literally box it and ship it. Cause shit just goes wrong. You know, like some materials are really sensitive to temperature changes, you know, uh, not just temperature changes, but like uh, vibrations and things like that. So, you know, you can be working on a piece and you're kind of in autopilot mode and you are frustrated that, you know, the corner of a librette just isn't, you're not getting a scratch out of it. You apply too much pressure. And that heats up the wheel too much and causes this little fissure to, like, appear. And now you have a piece that's compromised. It may make it through production, and you could send it out. But, you know, if that person just mishandles it, those things can just snap right off. So it's, like, super frustrating, especially when it's when it's user error opposed to just the material just not, not doing what you want it to do, you know?
0: Right. And I know that you're, you're the same way that I am. Like, if something like that happens, you know that you're not going to send it out. You know you yeah. could... But she just yeah. won't. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that goes from people that have done a lot of hard work for things. You don't want to send out like an inferior thing because someone is also spending their
1: totally. money
0: on things like that. Exactly. But I couldn't do that. I would be so ungodly frustrated. I would just be like flipping tables.
1: There's definitely been days where I'm like, I want to go that route. But then I'm like, no, I just got to let it go. Because there's another piece that I need to focus on. You know what I mean? This one just didn't work for this application. Thankfully, you know, sometimes you can make things smaller and, you know, use it for another project down the road. But uh, I think the, the hardest thing is when you're at the very end of that material, you don't have any more. You're making a set of something, uh, and then you have to try and source something that looks similar. Like that's a that's like where I get really bummed out. <laughs> uh, it's just not not yeah, having that's gotta be not difficult. having. You know the same type of cut or you know face of a piece that I want uh, for a pair of something because then you're just like you're kind of just doubling the work because now you have to go and source more you have to wait you're actually you're losing money because you already had that material and you're now you're having to replace it so when when something breaks I usually go to that that area it's not so much the piece itself it's just increasing the overhead you know right yeah.
0: you're a business you don't want to be you know spending more money than money that making. Totally. totally you know time is also valuable exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly so it's that's that's definitely a sliding scale, you know, so, but, um, that's, that's rad. And I've seen a lot of your pieces in person. Tom, uh, got yeah. last, I hate his last name. I can never <laughs> pronounce it from Dorje got, uh, some pieces from you and holy hell, like seeing those guys in the sunlight is just breathtaking. <laughs> so,
1: Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And Tom, Tom's like a yeah, a client where he just had an idea for something and then kind of like, let me run with it which again is super super awesome because then i can just like i don't know i feel like th- those type of sets turn out better than ones that have very very stringent ideas because you know minerals you know every single rock i, I will ever get is never going to look like the next there's always going to be very subtle changes in it's like coloring it's banding it's flash or whatever so i think that's one thing that is super hard in our industry is like the fact that you know you see this piece and you like it but i i can't reproduce that exact thing you know like
0: it's not like a piece of glass or a piece of gold where you can make one that's like exactly
1: this- exactly like with some materials you can make things that look relatively similar but they're always going to be slight so trying to like get people and clients to kind of understand that especially ones that have never won- worn stone, that's stone you know, that's sometimes really hard especially you know doing everything corresponding through email without really getting to talk to them firsthand uh So from time to time, you know, I've had clients be like, oh, I thought this was going to be much darker. I thought it was going to be much lighter, uh, which bums me out because I want them to be so. But, you know, and more often than not, they are. But, you know, it's definitely another thing where I'm like, when I get those emails, my heart kind of races because I'm worried that this person is going to want like a refund or an exchange or or something that just really I can't really offer, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's I mean, that's frustrating, too, because it is really hard to explain to people without them seeing literally what you're speaking of it's kind of one of those things where you have to trust your artist because you're going to the skilled person and obviously super product and they see pictures and they're like oh okay great and then when they get it they may feel a little different because maybe it's not in the right like angle yeah or
1: something yeah totally like i have that with uh with librettes, especially anything that has like some sort of like light directional flash like labradorite or sodalite or something like that uh even ruby quartz uh, depending on how like those those striations of rootile are aligned. Uh, you know, I without knowing the person and seeing them in, in person, like, you know, if your librette points more to the ground than kind of parallel with the ground, it's not gonna catch the same light that, that I showcase when I'm taking a, a video or a photo of something. Uh, so a lot of the times I'll have to, you know, from past mistake, I guess you could call it. I've had to talk to clients and be like, "Can you send me some photos of like your face at like a relaxed state or a smiling uh, state, just so I can see how you know your piercings actually move and change." Know, with your different facial features because i definitely had people be like oh you sent me this librette and it doesn't flash i'm like well send you pictures of it flashing <laughs> uh and, yeah. but you know your, your librette points to the ground or points like super vertical if you have like, a filter piercing or something things that are kind of like slightly outside of my ability to change you know but yeah because it's harder to, to cut something it's like doing a piercing intentionally wrong to match an existing one you know sometimes you know,
0: right when you have to like pair up a like a lip piercing. That
1: you- yeah. Yeah. Or a nostril that's like at a kind of a weird back angle. It's like, it's harder to kind of, you know, wrap your head around it and be like, shit. Okay. Now I need to change the, you know, the direction of this level so that I can exit higher than I normally would. Um, it would be the same thing with right. that. It'd be like, I have to cut this material at a different angle than I normally would. So I can, which, you know, wastes more material. So that it flashes, particularly yeah. for this one client. Um So, you know, it's, again, a trial and error type thing, just understanding that those are potential issues and trying to address them verbally beforehand is something I definitely try and do. But, you know, every once in a while, there's ones that slip through the crack, you know?
0: Right. And I think that's an important thing. I mean, there are lots of stone makers in our industry, you know, what we already spoke about, you know, like Jared, One Tribe, Relic, all those. And, I mean, I think being a piercer gives you that, little bit of you know extra knowledge that other people could potentially learn from because not many people are going to realize that you know the angle or how they smile is going to change how they look yeah, at
1: things yeah totally yeah it's like showing a, a one example i always have is like showing a client their the marking for their tragus is piercing and you know they look in the mirror and they're like oh it's like on the tip of my tragus. but you know in reality when when you or I look at it as like the piercer, you understand that it's, you know, it's just because they're the angle that they're viewing it at is different than the way that the rest of the world is going to interpret it. So it's hard. That's in one of those like kind of teetering boards to be staying on where you're like, you want it to look good to other people, but you also want the client to like be able to look near and be like, that looks kind of rad. So it's like, where do you kind of draw that line between which is more important, you know? Um,
0: yeah. It's a difficult that, dance. But yeah. Going off of that, do you have any awesome things coming in the future? Do you have, like, any stones that you're looking to, like, work with? Do you have any gem shows that you're going to be hitting up?
1: I every year that I want to go to the show in, in Tucson, and it has been, like, five years not going. <laughs> uh, usually just work and scheduling hasn't really allowed for it, but I will go into that in the uh early spring i think it's like generally around like february to March. But, okay um there's another show down in big sur um, big sur has a really awesome history of uh like ocean i wouldn't say mind but sourced jade and they usually have a oh, really wow. really rad like jade carving uh, exhibits and a bunch of different master carvers there i think that's not until like october or something like that but that'd be a, a fun one to go to as well uh, as far as materials i do have some really rad king maggots that I'm looking to cut into, which I'm actually in the process of cutting one right now. Nothing that I can really think of off the top of my head. I do love the relay courts, but you know, doing multiple multiple orders of it has been kind of monotonous. Uh, I would say <laughs> I would say that until I get a new piece and I just sit at it and look figure out how I'm going to cutting it, and then I kind of get that. Yeah. Uh, material again.
0: right everybody's got all sorts of different stuff that they're super into like for example i love term quartz that is my that is my jam i love it to death i've been sitting patiently i'm getting to the point where i'm probably going to order a set from you soon enough
1: Sweet. well keep your eyes peeled because i actually have two two of that on like that so i'll be working on um so oh red as well it's, it can be kind of temperamental. You would think that it works more like really quartz, but, uh, a lot of the times those tourmaline uh, sometimes they're almost like floating in that court. So like with like labrets, anything that has really thin wings to it or flares, uh, it's pretty devastating when it does happen, but you know, sometimes those tourmaline portions can just fall out. Yeah. Oh Wow. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's just, you know, the material that I've worked with in the, in the past few months or what, but, uh, uh, generally, anything that has a really big, thick barrels, they're not as not as stable. I found as the smaller uh, rootleted cord or not rootleted, but kind uh, of so.
0: Yeah, it always looks to be like a like super th- like black wisps through it, or just like big black yeah, cable.
1: Exactly, like, there's there's very few where there's like a like a yeah the,
0: like a fun in
1: between. The, the, the smaller stuff, the more like kind of hair looking tormeling is definitely more forgiving. Which that's that's what I've been on the. On the search for the past like week or so for these next coming orders so if i find anything super rad i will send you a message about it (laughs) yeah Um, please do yeah other than that i don't really um, don't really think so i mean i'm generally pretty stoked on almost everything i get the chance to do you know really basic pieces things for clients that are you know that are trying to like stretch the a brat i do offer a kind of like a dealer's choice I guess you could say where I get to pick the material and then yeah, they get to pay just a slightly, you know, discounted price. I've been doing that a little bit more with some of my regulars and I'm more stoked on that. Cause then I get to use material that I've been sitting on for sometimes years. And then I'm stoked on making, making the piece opposed to just doing like something really basic, like obsidian or some like lower, you know, price agate, you know, like a Montana agate or or Brazilian agate. So uh, I feel like I'm lucky that I get to work with such great clients that want super rad shit all the time. So I feel like I'm stoked on all the orders I get to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's pretty awesome, especially making it so a little more affordable for some people. And then, obviously, there's passion in all of your work, but when you give someone the ability to express themselves and pick something out, you know, like you said, the dealer's choice mm-hmm. option, you uh, usually find out that the piece comes out, like, so much more positively yeah, charged yeah. because it, it gives you the ability to be a little more totally, creative.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Mateo, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, you know, turning all those stones <laughs> Thanks, uh, to talk to us today. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners what's the best way to get a hold of you, and also where to find you and get a hold of you for future orders?
1: Um, I am going to be, in the, or I am in the process of kind of rebranding, uh, so this all this info may change a little bit. But for and we'll update it in the show notes when it does change. Okay, awesome. So, I generally do every like all my correspondence regarding special orders and just inquiries in general through email. I I don't really have an active website um, since I do so many things custom. A lot of the times I buy so much rough in small quantities. Uh, I, I really should have some sort of blog or something like that. Um, but at the, at this moment, the best way is the email. The email address is the Stone Demon, and it's spelled funny. So it's T H E S T O N E D E M U H N instead of O N. At gmail.com. So again, the stone demon at gmail.com. If you want to look up stuff that I post on Instagram, uh, my name on there is under Mateo Way. And yeah, just give it a follow. I'm usually posting new pieces, I wouldn't say daily, but you know, I'd say a new piece or a new set usually like once every. Two to three days.
0: Yeah, you're definitely pretty active on social media. And that, that gives our listeners a chance too to go ahead and see the quality and the types of materials that oh,
1: you're Totally. Yeah. Itself. Everything's hashtagged with the Stone Demon. So if you you know, if you want to search that tag itself, you know, to bring up you know the past like five years worth of you know of projects that I've gotten to work on in the past. So if you want to order something custom but you're not really certain like what material or you know, whatnot, then you know, at least you have a little bit of inspiration there.
0: Cool. Right. And then I just want to make sure that our listeners know, if you have a question or you have like a like a material that you're thinking of, but don't know if it's possible, just go ahead and shoot Mateo an email. Because a lot of a lot of people are intimidated to
1: contact people like you. Don't be. I'm a big goofball. (laughs) I'm a giant goofball. But uh, yeah, email is usually the best. I know there's like direct messaging and stuff like that. Um, you can shoot me messages on there, but I will probably just kind of point you to to the email, and I do have that email written down um, in my in my bio on Instagram as well. So a little bit easier easier oh, to find if uh, if my spelling wasn't correct or.
0: <laughs> and yeah, don't worry about it because we'll we'll put it in the show notes and we'll have a link to your email and also to your Instagram. Awesome. Too, so. you. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking your time bud and uh good luck with those stones hopefully we don't have any issues and uh actually i'll probably see you in what like two years yes, weeks?
1: yes. For, for the rich yes. and, so uh what, what what is shelby's new name oh I don't, know.
0: <laughs> I don't i don't even know what it is i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say shelby and adam and i'm just gonna leave yeah that. perfect so rad awesome dude. all right awesome man then uh i'll talk to you soon and uh yeah well, good luck with everything thanks buddy a pleasure to talk to Matteo about his adventures and hurdles he faces with being a one-man company i hope you all enjoyed his positivity in this week's episode you can find the information on how to contact Matteo and his company the stone demon on his instagram which is included in this week's show notes we suggest also following him to see his amazing stonework that he produces but also we suggest following our guests to support them and their endeavors I would also like to thank this week's sponsor other couture jewelry owner mike knight and his company have helped us to cover the cost with producing this podcast you can find more information about him and his company under the sponsors tab on our website realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. we have some great episodes in the future lined up including the one i promised on the experience of running a high-end studio within a tattoo business stay subscribed to get notified of when new episodes are released Stay subscribed to get notified of when new episodes are released. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes google play or your favorite podcast platform the views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the association of professional piercers or their places of employment music by Rogue for free